It's Twitter Tuesday coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and thank you, folks, for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And today we have for you a Twitter Tuesday. A lot of questions came in today, so we're going to be able to fill them up with your uh, questions in each of the segments here. But first, I want to send a couple of shout outs. Um, I have a list that um, I, I haven't, I've been meaning to get to and I haven't been able to, but I want to take care of that now. A couple uh, people in this segment, I want to mention Alzo, who uh, is a longtime Giant fan from Belgrade in Serbia and uh, has watched every snap of Giants football for the last three to four seasons. And uh, in the middle of the night, no less, that's dedication. Also, I don't know that I would give up my sleep to watch Giant football lately, but hey, that's great dedication. Thanks so much for, for checking in with me. Hope everything's well in your corner of the world. Also want to send a shout out to Oscar Rodriguez on uh, YouTube um, from Indiana. Um, and he's been a Giant fan since he's about 10 years old. I guess he's about 22 now and uh got to see his first game and uh let's see he's been following the show since i guess last season so thank you so much oscar for tuning in and following the show appreciate it and um appreciate all of you guys and gals for for tuning in on the lockdown giants podcast we'll have some more shout outs during uh the show but we've got some questions that you guys want answered so let me get to those since those are you know that's the topic of today's show all right, we're going to kick it off with a Twitter question. We actually got one Twitter question, and I think something like 11 questions via email. So uh, they're all good, though. It doesn't matter how they come in. Um, they come in, and I'll, I'll answer them as best as I can. So let's kick this one off with a question from Mark W. on Twitter, who wants to know, I understand why everyone wants to blow up the front office, the quarterback, the coaching staff. I would not do that. I would give Abrams one year to rebuild the O-line, replace Kitchens with a new OC, and if it does not work, blow it up for 2023. Thoughts? Uh, Mark, the, the problem with that scenario is if you are trying to attract a high-quality offensive coordinator, do you really think somebody's going to want to come here on the possibility that he might be a one-and-done type of deal. That's the danger here, all right, if you don't blow this thing up. Um, Joe Judge might very well turn it around next year if he's given another chance. I'm not saying that can't happen. But if you're an older um, offensive coordinator and you don't want to keep moving your family around, do you really think somebody's going to come here and say, okay, you know what, we'll give it one year try and, and see what happens? I, I just don't think that's the way to go. I think you're going to end up potentially eliminating some of the candidates you might have your eye on because they don't want that 
you know, that insecurity that would come with the job. Because if you blow it up, obviously a new coach is going to want his own pers- people in there. And there's no guarantee that he'll want the new offensive coordinator in there. So, yeah, I, I don't – I see what you're saying, and I think that's how the Giants are going to go. I don't agree with it. I think, look, you have an opportunity right now to press the reset button. Do it. You know, but I, I don't think that's what the Giants are going to do, to be honest with you. But that's how I would approach it, to be honest with you. Um, okay, thanks for that question. We actually have one more Twitter question I just saw came in. Um, this is from, let me see, Johnny Ballgame, big, big pasty guy. If the Giants weren't comfortable hiring Abrams over Gettleman, how can they claim that they are more comfortable with him now after his role in the past four seasons? I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. You know, that that was my thought, too, is, you know, the, the only thing I can think of is when they had a choice between Gettleman and, um, and, and Abrams back during the last hiring cycle, they probably looked at Dave's resume and they saw that, you know, hey, he got the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl, um, which, you know, I guess made him the best possible candidate. Um, I do not know much about Kevin Abrams in terms of uh, anything other than salary cap. You know, I've long admired his work with the salary cap. Um, but I don't, I don't know about him as a GM. I, I, I would want to, you know, hear what he would have to say if he was named the GM and just, you know, to feel better about it. And I would need to see what kind of moves would be made, you know, how this whole structure would work. Would it be a collaborative thing or would it be more or less Joe Judge saying, hey, get me A, B, C, and D, and um, we'll go from there. So, yeah, my my jury's still out on Abrams, if I'm being honest. So, um, thanks for that question. All right, now let's get to some of the email questions, which I have here on my phone. All right, so this one comes from Brent P., who writes, uh, Daniel seems to be more of a solid backup for a good team than someone you would want to build around for the next eight years. Do you think the Giants are quietly thinking similar or can this be a case of the Giants overvaluing their talent and what they have in Jones? Brent, I think the Giants want to believe that Daniel Jones can be their, uh, their franchise quarterback. I don't know that they're overvaluing him. I think you've got to look at the big picture here. The quarterback class in the draft this coming year is not believed to be a strong one. Based on everything I'm hearing and reading, it is not a class where you're going to find a lot of blue chippers. So, look, you've got Daniel for one more year on his rookie deal. You decline his option year. All right? See what he does next year. Can he stay healthy? Can he finally take that leap? If, assuming you get a decent offensive coordinator in there, and then you decide whether or not you're going to go forward with him. Now, if he doesn't do well next year and the team loses, guess what? They're probably going to have another top 10 pick anyway, at which point they can maybe get the franchise quarterback that they that they missed out on when they took Jones. So that's kind of how I think it, this is going to play out. Um, but I do not think that they're overvaluing Jones's talent. I think as long as Joe Judge is the head coach here, Daniel's going to be the quarterback. I think Joe has already said that, and I have no reason to believe that that will not be the case. So thanks for that question. All right, next question comes from 
Ed E. Uh, let's see. He writes, we need to get off this new coach every two years. Merry go round. Daniel Jones is staying. If we fire Joe Judge, we are asking a new GM to come in as a first task for hire the new head coach. This would have to be done quickly while dealing with a salary cap nightmare when all the scouting and evaluation for the draft has already been done. When there's still a question over Daniel Jones's future. Okay. Um, more of a statement than a question, but, uh, Ed, I, I think what you're asking there or trying to, to stress is, you know, we can't keep, you know, the giants cannot keep turning over coaching staffs every two years. And you're right. They, they can't, they can't, that's going to set the rebuild back. I think what the giants need to do in all honesty is they need to embrace the fact that they are in a rebuild. They have never come right out and said, we are in a rebuild, guys. We don't have everything we need in order to make a run. And until they determine what kind of, you know, where they are at this point in their, their uh, existence, we're going to just keep seeing patchwork done. And that's not going to help this franchise moving forward. So I think that would be the big thing for the Giants to do. Acknowledge you're in a rebuild. Work it up through the draft. Get rid of some of the high-priced contracts that are just going to take up space next year on the salary cap and be smart about it going forward. You know, enough with the patchwork stuff. As far as the coaching staff goes, if you're going to make a, um, if you're going to make a move, do it this year. Give that option to the GM. I mean, it's been a while since the Giants had a GM. You have to go back to, to George Young for a GM who had full football authority with absolutely no interference from ownership. That has not really been the case since George retired, as I understand it. Um, maybe, I think, maybe Ernie Acorsi might have had a little bit more um, autonomy than Jerry Reese did. Um, but my understanding is George had full and total authority with no interference from the ownership at the time. So... They got to get back to that. If you're going to hire somebody, trust that person to do the job right and just see what happens. You know, that's that's how I see it. So thanks for that question. All right, one more and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, this is from Chris M. Just want to say Joe Judge has got to go. Last year we finished five and three, which is as good as any playoff team. Uh, we had hope and promise. Do we really need this cont the continuity of this by only changing the GM in our current cap situation? You're basically saying we are only a draft class away from contention. Can't, uh, okay. Um, let me see, Chris. I think what you are asking me is, you know, would, again, would I press the reset button? And as I just said, yes, I would. I would start from scratch. I would bring in a new GM and say to that GM, you do what you feel is best regarding the head coach. Now, here's the problem. There's a business aspect to it. And I know fans aren't going to want to hear it. I know fans are going to get angry when I say this, but it's a fact of life. Right now, the Giants are paying off Jason Garrett's contract. They are paying off what's left of Pat Shermer's contract. They probably do not want to have to get rid of Joe Judge and pay him off for the next two or three years, however many years he has left 
on his contract, not to mention all the assistant coaches they would need to pay off if there's any kind of, you know, if there's no offset language. All right. So that is very much a factor, you know, then will Dave Gettleman, you know, depending on how Dave Gettleman departs, is it going to be a retirement or is he going to be fired to where they have to pay his contract off? So that's a problem. And I know fans don't want to hear it, but that is very much a factor in decisions like this. Can they live with Joe Judge another year? And I think they will. They will try to make it work. They will try to figure out what went wrong this year. And I think, you know, a lot of us have opinions on what went wrong. And they will look to try and fix it for next year. If next year it doesn't get fixed, then Joe is out. It's that simple. Hey, Giant fans, it's the new year coming up. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You'll want to eat it because it really does taste good. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or just taste like a bunch of chemicals thrown together. And most Built Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, making them good for you. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution to eat right without the guilt and without the calories. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and use our special promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your first order. That's code LOCK15 for 15% off on BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to a Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked on Giants podcast. My name is Patricia Trena, and thank you again for making this show uh, your first watch of the day or your first listen, depending on how you're getting us. Make sure you're subscribed. If you're just finding us now on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that little bell for notifications, like our channel. If you are listening to us on our audio platforms, we are available via subscription. It doesn't cost you anything, you know, subscribe, give us a review on iTunes or Google Play and let us know what you like and what you don't like. And we'll just continue to try and bring you the very best Giants content that we possibly can here at the Locked on Giants podcast. And before I go into more of your questions here on Twitter Tuesday, a few more shout outs from um, from the uh youtube channel the community tab um let me see we have michael garcia wrote in 47 year old lifelong fan who writes that the 1990 nfc championship game was his favorite game of all time and he thinks lt was the greatest hey i agree with you on that lt was one hell of a player um the 1990 championship game that was a good one but you know what i'm more partial to the 2000 uh, 11 championship game. I thought that one, you know, the Eli in the mud game, that one to me was, was really special. I really enjoyed that one. So thanks for checking in, Michael. Craig Tor Torrigan, I hope I said that right. Uh, Craig from Boston. Um, Bo or is that Boston? Did I say that right? Boston? <laughs> uh, Craig, yes. Um, before the, the Patriots were established, we were the team in New England etc um and he has a well i guess this yeah okay yeah eight week old daughter 
who's the newest giant fan in the family. Craig, yep, I know exactly who you are. I've seen your, your posts on the YouTube channel. Thanks so much for checking in and being a subscriber. And go Giants. Let's hope that they turn things around because you guys and gals deserve better. Please, you know. Um, and then one more I want to uh, mention real quick from the YouTube channel. Juan Cepeda, who writes, uh, hey, awesome channel, just joined, but very smart and spot on takes. Keep up the good works. Juan, thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, thank you for the kind words. And I'm going to keep on doing the best I can to give you smart and spot on takes. And, um, you know, all of you who sent in um, shout outs, feel free to participate in the questions. You know what to do. The, the address is in the show notes. It's Locked on Giants podcast at gmail.com. And those of you who are listening on the audio platforms, send in your shout outs. I mean, you know, why should all the YouTube people have all the fun, right? So send them in. I want to hear from you. Okay, let's get back to Twitter Tuesday. All right, we are actually answering more email questions this week, but hey, they're all good. And this one comes from Michael, who writes, I keep hearing the old the offensive line coaches are respected, so why haven't they been able to install schemes and techniques to be competent at anything or at least run block with some success? Um, Michael, I think it depends on two things. Number one, the overall running scheme. So... Um, Here's the thing. I think Saquon Barkley, for example, is better with those outside zone runs, those stretch runs. Not so much as effective, I think, up the gut, whereas Devonta Booker and Eli Penny are. So you've got to obviously, um, you have to have versatile offensive linemen who can do inside zone blocking and outside zone blocking. Um, they've also had so many injuries on that unit and uh, quite frankly, um, I'm not so sure I like the job that the coaching staff or the offensive line coaching staff has done this year. If I had to take a guess, I think you're going to see some changes there because that unit just has not been consistent. It has not stepped up. Really, the only positive has been Andrew Thomas. And they're going to have to just, you know, especially if they're going to take uh, – two or three guys in the draft next year, depending on, or maybe bring in a, a free agent, they've got to settle that unit down. And I just as soon would rather they hire Pat Flaherty to be the coach. I mean, Flaherty worked with that, that offensive line uh, for Tom Coughlin, the one um, that started to come together in 2006 and was so good in 2007 through 2010. Why not give Flaherty that, that opportunity to work with that line, you know, instead of making him a consultant, whatever that means. Let Flaherty work with that line and see if he can't work some magic there. Flaherty's a good offensive line coach, and I think he could probably get those guys, you know, into a functioning unit. Just my guess there. So thanks for that question, Michael. Okay, up next, Andy Asks, oh, this is an interesting question. I like this one. If you were asked to rebuild the Giants offensive line, then which of the the line positions, including tight end, would you prioritize as being the most important to fill? Um, Andy, that is a great question. Thank you for asking that. The answer depends, all right? It depends on what type of running scheme am I going to hang my hat on, all right? So if I'm going to do primarily 
an outside zone blocking type of thing, I might focus on the tackles. If I'm going to send my guys up the gut on, you know, 60% or more of the rushing attempts, I might focus on the interior. I mean, to be clear, all of the positions are important. The offensive line, the five offensive linemen need to function as one. They all need to be, you know, perfectly choreographed in what they do. But I think it depends on the running back. Like I said, you know, what is the strength of my running back? Is he a, a quick, you know, scat back type? Is he a downhill runner? You know, ideally you want to have offensive linemen who can handle both, you know, block for both. But, um, you know, the other thing is, is am I going to be running a lot of trays and, you know, pull, have my guards pulling? Then I obviously I would need some mo uh, mobile guys in there. So I don't know per se, you know, in the old days you can say that left tackle was the most important position. But nowadays defenses move their uh, defensive linemen their edge rushers around, uh, they flip them from left to right. So I'm not saying that left tackle is devalued over the years, but I don't know if it's as important. So, you know, the, the answer, quite honestly, is is it depends, you know. So thanks for that question. That was a really good one. That made me uh, really think that one through there. So, okay. Um, this next one is a scenario laid out by Andrew G., who writes, um, if I were the next GM, I would clean house, use a stopgap veteran quarterback like Bridgewater, use picks to stock the teams, shed any big contracts, get some cap room. No 2022 draft is going to suck. <laughs> uh, this draft used one top 10 pick on O-line, the other trade back, so on and so forth. All right, so what would I do? Number one, absolutely, you're going to have to shed contracts. The Giants are way too top-heavy right now. And I, I know I've said this before, but I am going to do a salary cap show coming up. Um, it might not be until after the season, but that is definitely on the agenda, a salary cap um, show. So the, keep an eye out for that. Um, you need some salary cap space because right now, over the cap, projects the Giants as being over $9 million in the red once the top 51 rule kicks in, that's got to get fixed. All right. Um, and by the way, I would not do a ton of restructures if I'm the Giants, because that's only kicking the can down the road and you're going to have problems down the road. And I'll, I'll get into all that when I do the salary cap show. I've kind of have my notes that I'm putting together, but I just have to organize everything before I present that to you guys and gals. Um, a stopgap quarterback I think Daniel Jones is going to be the stopgap until he proves otherwise. Now, what I would definitely do is I would get a solid backup in here, perhaps a guy who competes with Daniel Jones, because I think at this point, Daniel needs to, you know, if, if it's me, Daniel needs to show that he could be the guy. If I'm Joe Judge, I think it's an absolute mistake to say Daniel's our guy and a story. Let him compete for the job. All right. Competition never hurt anybody. So why should he be assured that he's getting the job back? That That's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm not saying that Daniel's going to sit on his hands and not, you know, work for it or whatnot, but competition brings out the best in everybody, plain and simple. Um, the draft, I have not looked at the draft in detail, 
So I do not know all the names that I should know yet. I will be starting that in a couple weeks over on Giants Country, and I'll be able to maybe do a, a, a postseason mock draft for, for you guys. Um, but uh, I actually like the idea of using one of the top two picks to trade down to get more picks for the future. Because you look at the Giants free agents, and we'll, we'll know this probably, you know, by the time the draft comes around, but I would see how many of the guys that I'm not resigning this year, or I should say in 2022, end up with other teams and what my comp pick scenario looks like. I actually would not be against trading down uh, with one of my top, you know, my top picks, you know, especially if they're in the top 10 with a quarterback needy team and building a stockpile of draft picks. I mean, that is what the Cleveland Browns did. That is what the Patriots do on a regular basis. You've got to keep stocking up the cupboard. And, you know, especially given the team, the Giants are going to be cap strapped. If you maybe get rid of one of those first round picks for a future pick, because, I mean, look, you're not one draft away. You're not one player away. So be smart. Acknowledge that you're in a rebuild and just add players so that you have a continuous supply to get the resources you need when they come up, all right? Which includes the possibility of, oh, maybe they need a new quarterback in 2023. So absolutely, I would trade down. Um 2023, get your quarterback. Well, again, let's see what happens with Daniel Jones. He might turn out to be the guy. He might not. Um, I know a lot of people want to see Russell Wilson here. Number one, I don't know if the Seahawks are really serious about trading him. But more importantly, I don't know that the Giants are going to be able to afford him. I really, really don't. You know, do they have the draft capital? Yes. Should they spend it on him? I mean... That depends. Do you think the offensive line can get by with Russell Wilson, you know, uh, without fixing that up? You know, um, right now you're looking at you're probably going to need another center. Um, if Nick Gates isn't ready, you're going to need an, definitely need an offensive tackle. If Isaiah Wilson isn't that the answer, you know, especially with Matt Parrott having suffered a torn ACL so late in the season, um, you're going to need a new right guard. So you're going to need a lot on that offensive line. To me, I would fix that unit first, and then I'd worry about the other stuff. Bring a quarterback in here that after you've gotten your house in order. I, I keep saying that, and the Giants just, for whatever reason, just didn't do that. And you look at the Buffaloes and the New Englands and the Kansas Cities, all those teams, you know, San Diego. I'm sorry, Los Angeles Chargers. I keep calling them San Diego. Um, you look at them. They all got their houses in order with their offensive line, their playmakers, and then they brought in a young quarterback. That's the way to do it, in my opinion. So, all right, Andrew, thank you for that question. All right, next up, Dave P. checks in. He asks uh, a couple of questions. Do you really think they'll be able to cast a wide net and attract a new and innovative GM? Also, if Dave Gettleman is given the option to retire and when Mara speaks at the end of the year, they need to be pressed with hard questions, one that involves self-reflection and honesty answers about the state of the franchise. Dave, I'm sure as far as point two is concerned, that's coming. It usually is. I mean, go back and look at John Mara's pressers and you'll see that there have been some tough questions over the years that have been asked of him. 
So I, I, I feel comfortable in saying that's coming. Okay, as far as your question about um, casting a wide net and attracting a new and innovative GM, that depends. Now, I have said this before. I will say it again because, you know, I just made this point about the quarterback and having your house in order. There's two things, I think, three things, I'm sorry, three things that I think would attract a really high-end general manager. The first is salary cap space, which the Giants do not have right now, okay? The second is draft capital, which they have. And the third is full autonomy to do what needs to be done. In other words, none of this, okay, you know, we're going to hire you, John Smith, to be our, our general manager, but, you know, we just want you to know that while you have full autonomy to make whatever decisions you want, we really would prefer that you keep the head coach and the quarterback. That's not full autonomy, all right? If, if your boss is telling you, we would prefer that you do this, they're basically telling you, hey, keep these guys, you know, keep them another year. That's my concern with the Giants moving forward. Is that the conversation they're going to have with a GM, okay? The cap situation as it is, is a problem. Next year, I think, and when I say next year, I mean 2023, I think the cap situation will be a little bit better. I'd have to obviously go in and look, but, you know, on a quick glance the other day, I said the 2023 cap would be a lot better because that's when the TV money is going to kick in. So, Dave, to answer your question, I have my doubts about whom they might be able to attract. My concern is... Maybe they go for a guy who is recycled, you know, a John Dorsey, a Scott Pioli, um, you know, somebody like that. That wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world. But, you know, me personally, I think I would like to see somebody who gets promoted to that job because, you know, maybe that person might be a little bit more, I don't know, creative, hungrier, whatever word you want to use. But look, I'll keep an open mind and we'll see what they do and I'll report and offer my opinion accordingly. So thanks for that question, Dave. Hey, Giant fans, the new year is right around the corner, and there's so much going on in the sports world. NFL playoffs, college bowl games, NBA, NHL, and pretty soon before you know it, the new USFL will be starting up this spring. So no matter what sport you're into, Bet Online has you covered all year long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head on over to their new updated or mobile website at betonline.ag to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available right now on the site. Visit betonline.ag today and get your 50% welcome bonus with the code Locked On. All right, welcome back, Giant fans, to the Locked On Giants podcast. We've got a Twitter Tuesday, and it's a big show today, and I love it. I love the questions you guys and gals have sent in. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to write. Let's get back to your questions. We're going to kick this segment off with a question from Ethan H., who asks, would you be opposed to trading down both of our first-round picks? Ethan, um... I'm going to say that depends, but I'm going to put an asterisk on that. 
Uh, first off, I would want to see what the final draft order looks like. I would also want to see what the salary cap, um, I'm sorry, not the salary cap, what the draft class is going to look like. But I would say that I would not, you know, right now I would not want to trade both of those first round picks. I would definitely keep one, the higher of the two. Maybe I look to move the second one uh, to trade down, um, depending on how far down, you know, I would need to go. Uh, but that's all, you know, that's up to debate. Right now it's kind of hard be to, to say for sure because we don't know the final draft order. But no, I don't think I would trade down on both of those picks. I think that's that's getting too cute. This team needs talent. And I would not run the risk of losing out on a on a generational type of player, being an offensive lineman, a pass rusher, whatever, just for the sake of, you know, adding a, a boatload of picks next year. I mean, I, I got to come out of this draft if I'm the GM with some talent this year. So my guess is I wouldn't. So thanks for that question. All right. We've got two more to close out the show. The Both of these are from John G., who writes, my understanding is that Jake Fromm's contract expires at the end of this year. If yes, does he become a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent? John, I do believe that is the case. And I think Jake Fromm would be an exclusive rights free agent. I think that's how that would work because the Giants assumed, um, no, I'm sorry, they signed him to a new contract, a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So I believe he would be an exclusive rights free agent. I think that's how that works. All right. And then John's other question. Do you think that this is the off season that Mr. Mara, Mr. Tish and Jets ownership um, will consider removing the field turf from MetLife Stadium and replacing it with the early 2000 style grass or an improved version of the 80 style turf? Do you think wearing cleats on the field turf and cleats increases the chances of suffering a non-contact lower body injury. John, I don't know the answer to number two. I'm not a sports scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I would think if the field surface is sticky, yes, it probably could. But I don't know. I've never walked on that field with cleats on. So I can't honestly say, oh my God, your, your foot gets stuck. Or, you know, I, I can't say that for sure. Regarding the first part of your question, the Giants tried to work with, um, I think it was called removable grass trays back when they had Giant Stadium. They worked with the Jets on that to, to have these replaceable grass trays. The experiment failed, and the reason why it failed was twofold. Number one, uh, the stadium, Giant Stadium back then, just as MetLife Stadium now, is a multi-purpose venue. It is used for concerts, college football. Um, it's used for, con um, like I said, concerts, conventions, events. There's no way a grass field would hold up with all that usage. If it was just one football team using that building, you know, and that was it, then I could see using um, a grass field. But no, not with all that traffic that they get in there. I, I, I just don't see it making sense. I don't see it being cost effective, which by the way, the 2000, um, the, the grass tray that they used many years ago in, in giant stadium became too expensive to maintain. So they scrapped it. They went back to the artificial turf. 
Um, now, what's interesting, if I remember correctly, at one point, I think in the old Giant Stadium, they used what was basically like a rug. It was like a plush carpet type of rug. Again, the problem with that is underneath it, you have concrete. And when it gets cold out, concrete gets very hard. And if you're landing on concrete, you know, in a football game, you're going to be achy. So they went with this new field turf, which is supposed to have more of a bounce to it, like grass. You know, if you fall down on a grass and muddy field, you're probably not going to feel it as, as badly as you would if you fall down on, on concrete. So... I don't think they are going to make a replacement of grass. And you got to remember, they just replaced the MetLife Stadium field, I want to say in 2019, I think it was. Might, might have been before the 2020 season. I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2020, but I know it was recent. So no, I don't see them replacing that field again anytime soon. So, but thanks for the question. You know, it's certainly, you know, I can understand it with all the injuries that happen on that field, but um Speaking of which, injuries is another topic that I'm going to tackle on on an upcoming show. So just, you know, I'm putting together research on that. Got a lot of topics I want to get to, and uh, I will get to them once we get out of the um, the regular season routine and we get into the off season when the schedule opens up. So just be patient with me. All right, Giant fans, that is going to do it for today's Twitter Tuesday show. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Thank you so much for the for the shout out requests. Hope you enjoyed them. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for an all new show. And uh, again, thank you for making the Locked on Giants podcast your first listen or your first watch of the day. We'll catch you tomorrow.